Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, getting you ready for the NFL Draft, breaking down the draft-eligible prospects for April's draft, which will be in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is the second episode of the postseason bowl edition. That's right, just a couple of days ago, broke down the first 17 bowl games from Friday, December 20th, all the way through Friday of December 27th. And uh, as of this taping, we've already had the first two days worth of bowl games. We've already had some some highlights, uh, really a lot of teams that are getting their first bowl victory in history. Buffalo Bulls taking down Charlotte 31-9. Uh, Jarrett Patterson, you know, as we talked about it in the last podcast, having a huge day uh, winning their first bowl game in history, Charlotte, their first bowl appearance in the Bahamas Bowl, Kent State getting their first bowl victory. Uh, you know, Sean Lewis really doing a lot of really good things there with the Golden Flash, taking down Utah State. And then on Saturday's slate of games, you saw Liberty with Hugh Freeze taking down Georgia Southern in the Cure Bowl for their first bowl victory. And uh, what can we say about Chris Peterson taking down his former team, Boise State? Uh, as Washington, the Huskies, taking them down uh, in Las Vegas, uh, the Las Vegas Bowl, 38-7 to with the victory there. So we've got a full slate of games to get through. And uh, Saturday, December 28th, remember that date. If you don't already have that marked on your calendar, make sure you do that. Those are the, well, there are three, there are two other, two other games on the slate. For, for that day, uh, so we can't rule out the, you know, the co- Cotton Bowl and the Camping World Bowl, but really, the college football playoff semifinals will be played on Saturday, December 28th. So when you take a look at those matchups, we're going to start there, and then we'll get into some of the other bowl games after that. But the first bowl game of the day uh, that, that has college football playoff implications is the Peach Bowl. Number one, LSU taking on number four, Oklahoma. Now, obviously, Oklahoma already in the news about uh, four of their players going to be out. Three of them were suspended, uh, including Ronnie Perkins, the defensive end, um, Ramondre Stevenson, the running back, who can help sustain some drives uh, as a big physical back. He's also out. Uh, Trajan Bridges, a freshman uh, receiver slash uh, defensive back, also out for the game. And then uh, DeLaurin uh, Turner-Yell, their safety, broke his collarbone. He's also not going to play. And you want to be at full strength when you're going against LSU. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow, 78% completion percentage, the Heisman Trophy winner in a landslide, set, uh, breaking records with his Heisman victory. And, you know, you look at OU and Alex Grinch in his first year at defensive coordinator, he's done a lot of really good things with this defense. He's simplified things. He's allowed them to fly around and make plays. And the defense has definitely gotten better. They're making a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage or among the tops in the, in the country in tackles for loss. But again, this is LSU that, you know, we're talking about here and uh, you need to have you know, Ronnie Perkins getting off the edge. I think if Ronnie Perkins isn't playing, you figure that, you know, Marquise Overton is going to get a lot more playing time. They may play both him and Neville Gallimore there up front. And really, I think a lot of pressure is on Neville Gallimore at this point to really win at the point of attack. And he's going to go up against Lloyd Cushenberry, a junior center who could very well enter the draft at the end of the season. But, uh, you know, Neville Gallimore, so quick, uh, you know, off the ball, six, uh, six two three oh three. Uh, explosive with his hands, quick first step, 
Um, you know, and, and that's really where he, he wins. He wins with this quickness the first step quickness, getting early penetration, uh, being very disruptive, not only against the run, but, uh, also collapsing the pocket from within, uh, to get after the quarterback. He's going to have to have a huge day along the interior of, the, of that, that line. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him line up at end, uh, at, at a five technique, uh, in this 34 defense, especially if Mar- Marquise Overton, he probably plays his best ball over the nose uh, filling in for Neville Gallimore. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gallimore move outside because he does have some of that quickness and uh, maybe line up against Austin Deculus there at right tackle and, and see what he can do there. The right guard, uh, Damian Lewis, who's a pro prospect, very physical at the point of attack, You know, wants to maul you, beat you down, throw you down on the ground, very powerful. And that's one of the guys that uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire loves to run behind. And, and I think he's one of those guys that... You know, is going to be tasked with trying to take down Neville Gallimore. And really, that's going to be one of the big keys there up front. Now, for the OU at linebacker, I think you know things have really improved now that Caleb Kelly is back because really what you can do with that, Caleb Kelly playing inside allows Kenneth Murray to move outside. I am a firm believer that Kenneth Murray, he's one of the best athletes in this entire draft class. Um, you know, 6'4", uh, 200... Uh, 34, 240 pounds, somewhere in that range. And he flies around to the football, makes plays, has the speed to get to the perimeter. But what happens as the middle linebacker, he gets lost at times. You know, the gap integrity, he really struggles there. He's at his best when he gets to play in space, when he's allowed to just fly around to the football, use that speed, use that that playmaking ability, allow him to really just, as I said, fly around and make plays. You know, and I think with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the running back, you know, I thought about, well, what if he were to spy Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I don't think that's going to work. I think what he needs to be is, is really more of a spy on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a guy who loves to pull pull the football and, and run with it. You know, if he doesn't see anything open, a lot of times the teams remain in man, man coverage. Secondary linebackers turn their backs to the quarterback, and he's able to take off and run for a good 10, 12, 15 yards. And those chunk plays add up quickly. So I think that might be the best case scenario for, for OU is, is to really try to put a, a, a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. Now, again, Joe Burrow, um, the, the, pocket presence, his ability to extend plays, manipulate the pocket, you know, being able to subtly slide to avoid the rush. Um, you know, he'll climb in the pocket when you, when you need him to as well, he'll get outside and, and on the run, keep his eyes down the field, find guys like Jamar Chase, the Blitnikoff award winner, uh, Justin Jefferson on, on the outside, Terrace Marshall, Racy McMath, and of course, Randy Moss's son, Thaddeus Moss, a tight end, um, He's got the weapons on the outside, and that's really what makes him dangerous. Is you know he, he doesn't have a, a huge arm, but he's he's very very efficient. And it's one of those things. You know, when Aaron Rodgers came out of school, you know he was one of those guys. He was so crafty in the pocket, knew how to manipulate. Um, you know, really uh, navigate that that pocket, slide to his left, climb up in the pocket, then slide to his right, really finding those voids in that line, being able to keep his eyes down the field and just really have that feel to really move through defenders and find his man down the field. We didn't talk about Aaron Rodgers having a huge arm either, but super efficient. You know, I remember a game against USC. He went 25 to 25 and uh, you know, we're looking at Joe Burrow, 78% completion percentage, 
on the year, you know, very efficient. And that's really one of the things that uh, OU is going to have to watch out for. But, you know, obviously you've got the Blitnikoff Award winner on one side, and then you've got uh, a bona fide first round pick and Justin Jefferson on the other. Now, Justin Jefferson, he's, he's, he's not the fastest guy. But he, he's a, a savvy route runner, a, a guy who just knows how to get open and um, can be a threat down the field at times as well. But I think really your home run threat, taking the top off of a defense, is going to be Jamar Chase. He does a little bit of everything. And um, you know he's only a sophomore, so he'll be coming back for one more year. Uh, OU secondary is really going to be challenged with having to cover all of these, these top top-notch receivers. But then you throw in the running back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is one of the more underrated running backs. He's only 5'9", but he's over 200 pounds, powerfully built, low center of gravity, and the jump cuts, you see him making guys miss in space, the speed to get to the perimeter. He has home run potential. You know, reminds you a little bit of Darren Sproles because he is such a polished receiver. Excellent hands out of the backfield. He had a game where he had 10 receptions. And and he's somebody who, you know, runs excellent routes, knows, uh, understands space, spacing, and is able to find the voids in the zone whenever possible as well. If I'm OU... I'm looking at the, our Nickelback. I'm looking at, at Buki, uh, Brad, uh, sorry, Brendan Radley Hiles. Uh, they call him Buki, and I, I expect him to be spying that running back at times. Obviously, you're going to have Kenneth Murray. You know, likely going to be keeping an eye on that running back as well. But if you can get Buki keying in on him, then you know, know where he is on the field at all times. Cause that's really what, what ends up happening is he's going to look like he's blocking and then he'll release and nobody covers him. He's wide open and he's able to go ahead and get down the field. So Alex Grinch does not have, you know, he's, um, he doesn't have an easy task here. It's really a tall order right now. And really the success that his defense had against Baylor in, um, in overtime, he was putting pressure on the quarterback. And again, Joe Burrow, you know, that's who we're talking about in the, in the bowl game. We're not talking about a freshman uh, kid, uh, Zeno. Um, you've got Joe Burrow back there. He's been unflappable. You haven't really seen him uh, get rattled at all in the pocket. And so that's really what OU is going to have to do. Now, defensively for LSU, you've got a unique situation here with Jalen Hurts, um, you know, a, a guy who is known more so for his running ability than his passing. And, you know, he's he's getting better as a passer. I think he still needs to really be able to see the entire field. I think he doesn't always go through his progressions, locks on to his uh, primary receiver. And if his primary receiver isn't there, it's one one read and go. And he's going to pull the ball and, and, and take off. And I think, you know, what we've seen is I think Jalen Hurts has been thinking a little bit too much. I think uh, you know when he was really at his best at the beginning of the season, um, he was able to pull the ball and, and take off and just do his thing. Be Jalen Hurts, and you know, Ke- uh, Kennedy Brooks is healthy, so he's going to go ahead and and be the starting running back. And if I'm OU, it's all about ball control. You do not want to put Joe Burrow back out on the field. So you've got to sustain drives. You got to have ten plus uh, play drives and, and get the ball to Kennedy Brooks. Only a sophomore. He'll be back for one more year there in Norman for the Sooners. Uh, but then, you know, when Jalen gets a chance, he's got a Blitnikoff Award finalist and a, and a top 10 pick in C.D. Lamb. And that's really the big matchup that you want to watch here is C.D. Lamb 
And Charleston Rambo, who's a redshirt sophomore receiver and a vertical threat, he's going to be the the man next year catching passes from Spencer Rattler or whoever's going to be the quarterback there at OU if they, they decide to bring in another transfer. But CeeDee Lamb, Charleston Rambo going up against Christian Fulton, who is a, a borderline first-round pick, very instinctive, um, and, and Derek Stingley, a special, special freshman um, you know, he, he's one of those guys who always seems to put himself in a position to make the play, um, you know, in phase, reads the, the quarterback's eyes when he's in off coverage, undercuts routes, makes plays on the football. Now, these guys are susceptible to giving up big plays. Um, you know, they're they're not they're, they're not always going to uh, be able to make the play on the football. But here's the thing. You have to be incredibly efficient. You have to make sure that that ball is on the receiver. And the thing with Jalen Hurts is he's turned the ball over quite a bit. And a lot of those throws, you know, if you've got C.D. Lamb on the outside, you better make sure that you put it over his outside shoulder. Anything to the inside, and you can guarantee that Derek Stingley and Christian Fulton will be there uh, right off of, off the, the receiver's hip. You throw it inside, they become the wide receiver, and it's up to C.D. Lamb and the other receivers to make a play on the football. That's what makes them dangerous. Here's the other thing. You've got Grand Delpit, the guy who does everything. He was slow by injury earlier, but the Thorpe Wood winner is healthy now, which is scary for OU. You've got the range over the top, his ability to play in the box as well against the run. You've got to know where number seven is on the field at all times. And so that's what makes makes that secondary so dangerous. Now, here's the thing. Up front, you know, they don't have a ton of guys who are going to put pressure on the quarterback. You know, you've got Tyler Shelvin, the, the big mammoth uh, nose tackle. You know, it's going to try to make it hard for you to run the football between the tackles. Uh, you know, Glenn Logan and Richard Lawrence, not the best athletes, but guys who just seem to get the job done. You know, they're both intelligent players. And Richard Lawrence, I think, is going to be a day three pick in the draft. Uh, big number 90, keep an eye on him. I think that's going to be one of the matchups to watch. Um, you know, watching Tyler Shelvin take on Creed Humphrey. Now, Creed Humphrey, he is a, a redshirt sophomore and he could absolutely come back, but I think he's he's guaranteed to almost be a first round pick. You know, the former wrestler is a He's just a force. Ever since he came into the the starting lineup there for OU as a uh, redshirt freshman a season ago, that offense really just looked completely different with Kyler Murray at the helm. Um, Creed Humphrey really solidified the line. They had all those veteran linemen a season ago, and now he's dealing with four brand new offensive linemen uh, that are starters. And you you see the leadership there in the middle of, of that that offensive line. And I really want to see, you know, can he move Shelvin off the ball? Can they get, get him moving? Is he going to be able to anchor and not allow uh, Shelvin to really dictate that, that line of scrimmage you've got, you know, uh, Kalevon uh, Chasen, the, the defensive end slash linebacker uh, plays well in space. He's 6'5", 240, 250 pounds. And uh, R.J. Proctor, Eric Swenson, Adrian Ely, the, the three tackles there for OU, they're going to have you know to really know where number 18 is on the field at all times. This is a guy who has explosive speed. He can bend coming off the edge. And here's one of the things that I really appreciate about him is that he's also going to get his hands into your body and he's going to drive you back off the football. He's got a powerful punch, 
And that punch is going to get those offensive linemen off balance, and then he's going to drive them into the backfield, get to the quarterback, and then once he's there, he knows how to disengage. A lot of guys will struggle. They'll drive their man back, but then they can't get off the block. Um, He's going to be able to do that, and that's one of the things that they're really going to have to watch out for. I think Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen, the linebackers, they play well in space, and and Jacoby uh, Stevens, the safety, number three, He's another guy that Jalen Hurts is going to have to watch out for because you're keying in on all these other guys. Uh, and Stevens has really had a huge year. He, he's one of those guys who can play around in the box a little bit, and then he, he does a really good job playing over the top, you know, and, and anticipating throws. He cannot stare down his receivers. If he does that, that he's going to get himself into trouble. You know, I think OU has a chance to win this game. I don't think it's a, a big chance. You know, a, a really. Um, you know, it's a small chance, very small chance. But what OU has to do, they have to be incredibly efficient on offense. You have to have Jalen Hurts essentially, you know, have the game of his life as a passer, not make any mistakes, and then ball control. Hold that ball for you know 10, 12, 14 play drives, keep Joe Burrow off the field, and then Alex Grinch, that defense, he really has to find ways to put pressure on uh Joe Burrow, and then also make sure you're keying in on um, you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire, and then you have to watch out for all of those receivers. It's a tall task, and that's why I think LSU, when it's all said and done, is going to win this game. Um, but I think OU, if they can control things a little bit, control that line of scrimmage, and uh, you know, sustain some drives, I think they may be in it, and it'll be a lot closer than a lot of people are thinking. The second game is really going to be an interesting one. That's Ohio State, the number two ranked Buckeyes, taking on the Clemson Tigers in the Fiesta Bowl. So number two, number three, these are honestly two of the best you know teams in the country. And for a while before LSU really emerged with Joe Burrow, there are a lot of talk about them being the two top two teams in the country. I think Dabo Sweeney really feels that his team was slighted. They've been the... Um, defending champions and and everyone's looking at them as kind of almost an afterthought because everyone wants to talk about uh, what Ohio state has done with Justin Fields and chase young and, and company and, and Dabo has really been, been doing an exceptional job with motivating his, his team. And ever since that, that near loss to North Carolina, it was that, that two point conversion uh, that, that they were able to to hold the Tar Heels, and since then they've been blowing out their opponents. So here's here are some of the matchups to really watch out for. Now, when Clemson has the football, you've got uh, Trevor Lawrence, the, the super sophomore, a, a kid who could very well end up being the number one overall pick in next year's draft. Um, polished passer, you know, a guy who you know is going to make the, all the throws, has a tremendous arm, uh, can throw for both touch and can can rifle the football into a, a tight window whenever possible at will. Um, he, he's playing uh, behind an offensive line that is a veteran line. You have four, I believe, they're four seniors, and then Jackson Carmen, the left tackle, who is going to ultimately be a pro prospect as well. Uh, John Simpson, the the left guard, is a nasty, nasty player. Just really, uh, you know, has that mean streak. A guy who looks to really punish you at the point of attack. He's gonna gonna be one of those guys that 
uh, when Travis Etienne and Tra- uh, Trevor Lawrence want to run the football, they'll run behind this guy because he is such a nasty road grader. And uh, he's going to be going up against uh, defensive tackles like like Devon Hamilton, uh, Robert Landers, two guys who could potentially end up you know getting drafted on day three. Uh, but I think John Simpson, if he wants to solidify himself as a day two pick, he's really going to have to come up big in this game, uh, especially with Chase Young, who's going to be coming off the edge. We'll get to Chase Young in just a second. Uh, but, you know, Sean, Sean Pollard, the center, Gage Cervenka at, at right guard. They have to continue to do their job uh, along the interior. And then, uh, you know, Tremaine Ankrum is the right guard. He's somebody who I think is probably going to kick inside to, to uh, I'm sorry, the right tackle. He's going to kick inside to guard at the next level. I think he just lacks some of that length overall. Um, but he's been a model of consistency, and he's really going to have to be against Chase Young because Chase Young is the best player in this year's draft class and really just the best player in college football in general. Uh, number two, man, 6'5", 265. He, he wins the eye test coming off the bus. And he's he's better than than Joey Bosa and better than Nick uh, than Nick Bosa. You know those guys. You know they they were running the four sevens and four eights, and, and Chase Young will probably run in the four fives at, at the combine. Let's be honest. Um, so explosive coming off the ball, gets in that sprinter stance, that four point stance, and just fires into the backfield. Times his jumps really well. Um, Excellent flexibility, the ankle flexion, you know, his ability to fire off the line, um, beating his man off the ball. Uh, oftentimes, uh, gets low out of his uh, out of his stance and or stays low out of his stance. Just fires off, uses his hands, has a variety of moves with his hands. He'll he'll slap the hands down and then rip through and flatten out to the quarterback. You'll see a club and rip as well. Um, you, you'll see. Uh, an arm over. He'll he'll not only attack the outside. He'll fake the outside and come inside, cross the face of the offensive tackle, and shoot the gaps. Chase Young is a game wrecker, and you have to know where number two is on the field at all times. And, and the thing with with Clemson is they have a veteran offensive line, and I would anticipate them, you know, looking to potentially chip and double him. They have J.C. Chalk at tight end. You, I, I would expect Chalk to ultimately end up squaring off with with him as a uh, a second blocker to help out both uh Carmen and uh Ankrum and, and they're really going to have to to really hold that down. So if, if Trevor Lawrence gets time, he's got he's got the receivers. He's got, you know, a bevy of receivers at his disposal. Uh none more uh important to him though than than T Higgins. 64 200 10 pounds the the junior is so explosive on the outside he he to me he's a top four wide out and i think he's going to end up being a top 20 pick and what makes him so special is he's not he's not a burner you know but i think he has deceptive speed um but it's it's the body control his ability to contort his body the catch radius is is just unreal um his ability to play along the sideline the 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 toe tap um really you can put the ball you know, along the sideline, really throw it up, you know, out of bounds down the sideline. And this is going to be a guy who's going to somehow figure out a way to almost get horizontal with his feet in bounds to haul in the football. Uh, makes plays after the catch. T. Higgins is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then Justin Ross, you know, Justin Ross, only a sophomore, but he's a, a dynamic receiver uh, opposite him. 
Um, so those are the two main targets. You know, you'll see a, a lot of other receivers, DeAndre Overton to uh, Amari Rogers, TJ Chase. You know, there are a lot of receivers there that uh, you'll see, you know, Trevor Lawrence potentially getting the ball to. Um, but on that outside, those receivers are going to be going up against one of the better secondaries. You know, we already talked about LSU secondary. Well, Ohio State secondary is pretty darn good as well. You've got Jeffrey Okuda who uh, is the best uh, corner prospect to come out of Ohio State since Denzel Ward. I know that was just a couple of years ago, but it's kind of fun to say because Jeffrey Okuda, like Ward, will probably be a top five pick. He's 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, he, he's physical. Um, you know, And I, I think what really is, is impressive is you watch him and he's patient. He's not going to fall for any of the moves there at the line of scrimmage. He's going to wait for that receiver to make and commit to their move and then he's going to stay on him like glue and you know I, I think that's one of the things that makes him so special is that he'll play in line uh in, i'm sorry in phase um you know does a really good job driving on the football and off coverage reads the quarterback's eyes you know and then the ball skills you know he's able to high point the football attack the football in the air and uh you know, people were worried about him in terms of really being able to make plays on the football. Um, didn't have a sack, or I'm sorry, an interception in his first two years. Had three and in, in two games. Uh, you know, there, during a stretch this season. And uh, you know, you've got Akuda on one side, and then you've got uh, Damon Arnett, who came back for a senior year. Kendall Sheffield left and, and entered the draft. Arnett came back, and I thought it was a good decision because I thought he he was exposed quite a bit as a junior. This year, on the other hand, he's been a lot more physical, getting his hands on the receiver at the line of scrimmage to jam him. Um, he likes to also really try to reroute the, the receiver, especially at the top of the route, and uh, gets really physical. And he, he's a guy who can come up and play the run as well. Um and then in, in, at the safety position, you have the veteran Jordan Fuller. Um, I think he'll probably be an early day three pick. Um, Arnett you know, has a chance to be a day two guy. He may be a third rounder. I'm guessing he's probably going to end up falling to round four. Um, and then Sean Wade, only a redshirt sophomore. He could end up coming back. Um, you know, and be that next Jeffrey Okuda, Denzel Ward, and potentially be a, a, a top 10 pick. He's playing safety this year, you know, and really you needed to figure out a way to get him and Arnett on the field at the same time. And, uh, you know, also Brendan White went down to injury. So he's been playing safety. He's, you know, battled some injuries himself, but he, that versatility, the ball skills, the size, he's going to be one of those guys. You have to know where 24 is on the field at all times. I say that with a lot of these guys, but it's true. You know, for Trevor Lawrence, you can't make those mistakes, you know, especially with him patrolling that deep, you know, patrolling the, the field on the back end. He's going to make some of those reads. He's going to really attack the football like a corner. And uh, he has the ability to, uh, to come down with the football and make some plays. So I think that secondary against uh, of Ohio State's against Clemson's is really going to be a lot of fun to watch. Then you've got Travis Etienne running the football, so explosive, um, you know, and just a you know has that tremendous speed. He's one of those guys. All he needs is a crease. He's going to get skinny, get through that hole, and then once you get him into the open field, he is a a burner. He can take the top off of the defense. He has that uh, exceptional speed. But what I really appreciate this year is he's added some strength, and that's one of the things that we you know that everyone's been talking about is is the speed and the speed and the speed, but. 
I've watched him this year run through arm tackles. I've seen him, you know, run through contact, keep the balance. And that's, you know, I think attributed to some added weight in, in the lower body. He looks a little bit thicker. And uh, that's one of those, you know, that was a big concern for me. I look at him as a top four back in the in the country. And so when you have him, that all of that explosiveness, you're, you're looking at, at some of the linebacker play there for Ohio State. And I'll tell you what, Malik, Harrison, number 39, is one of those guys who I, I, he'll be a, a day three pick, but he's a guy who I think could end up starting um, for an NFL franchise you know, within the first couple of years of, of really arriving because he's, he's an intelligent player. He does a really good job diagnosing plays, not only in the passing game in the running game, but also in the passing game. And uh, he has pretty good speed, especially down downhill. But uh, you'll also see him get out to the perimeter and make some plays against the run as well. I think he's one of those guys who's going to have to have a big game and trying to corral uh, Travis Etienne and obviously Chase Young getting to the to the quarterback in, in the passing game, making Tra- Trevor Lawrence's life miserable. But then when Ohio State has the football. Okay, so now you've got Justin Fields, number three in the Heisman voting, and this is a kid, 40 touchdowns and just one interceptions. What what he one interception, what he's been able to do this year has been phenomenal in his first year after transferring from Georgia. And you know, he's tough too. You know, he, he went down to injury uh, against Michigan and, and fought back, fought through the injury, and you know, made some clutch throws to end up winning the game for the Buckeyes. And, uh, you know, he's got some receivers, um, you know, Chris Olave and, uh, and KJ Hill, KJ, you know, Olave is only a sophomore. He's the smooth savvy route runner and a guy who can get vertical KJ Hill. You're going to see him run a lot more underneath routes, but you know, I, I think he can uh, get vertical as well. Uh, you've got Benjamin Victor, who I think is, is probably going to be a, a sixth or seventh round pick. Um, Austin Mack is another receiver who has a chance to get drafted. But, you know, I think K.J. Hill, he'll probably be an early day three guy, um, especially with the way that this draft is is unfolding with this draft class. But those receivers, you know, especially with, with Hill underneath and Olave going up top, um, they're going to go up against the likes of, of A.J. Terrell, you know, I think AJ Terrell against Olave would be a fun matchup to watch. AJ Terrell, very physical corner, a guy who who does a really good job attacking the football when it's in the air. Um, he doesn't see the ball thrown his way very often, and uh, you know, there's a reason for it. You know, he he's he stays low in that back pedal, does a good job driving on the football, can turn and run. Really, you know, uh, some some loose hips there in coverage as well. He's a bigger corner. He's six one, uh, only 180 pounds though. So that's one of the things that you have to watch. You know, there aren't any big receivers there for Ohio State that could push him around. Um, but that's one of the things to really keep an eye on. Uh, Tanner Muse, the safety. This is a guy who you know will come downhill. He'll hit you in the mouth. Um, he'll play in the box, kind of a box safety. Um, one of the things though, that he gets exposed in is in coverage. And that's one of the things that he really struggles with, man. When you watch that game against Virginia, I see Dubois uh, never failed. He, he would eat up the, the cushion that, that he had there versus muse and would just ultimately turn muse around. I mean, he really had a field day really exposing the stiffness and muses hips. And I think that's really what I think Ohio state can take advantage of. Whoever's going to be lining up there in the slot over, uh, over muse, that's going to be who fields ought to target whenever possible. Um, you know, and, but here's the thing, 
you know, I, I think Clemson knows that. So you have the do everything Butkus Award winner, number 11, Isaiah Simmons. This is somebody who flies around all over the field. You have to know where number 11 is on the field at all times, which is why he's going to be a top 10 pick in my book. 6'4", 230 pounds, converted safety, uh, but he still has, you know, ball skills for days. This is somebody who, you know, patrols the middle of the field and does a good job undercutting routes there, but he can also get depth. You know, uh, he, he covered a... Um, who was it? It was the it was against South Carolina, and he was covering the slot receiver, and I believe it was Shy Smith, and got vertical, and he ultimately was able to get back and elevate and knock uh, knock the pass away. You know, he he had to recover because the initial speed and the initial burst, but uh, when Holinsky uh, cut loose with the football, Ryan Holinsky, he ultimately was able to not only make up that ground with that closing speed, but then elevate, time that jump well, elevate it, knock the football away. Incredible range. He, he plays sideline to sideline against the run, can shoot into the uh, into the backfield and make the quarterback's life miserable. Isaiah Simmons, that's going to be the guy really to watch there, and that's really who I think Justin Fields has to know where he is on the field at all times. All of the uh, the the defensive linemen, you know, the, the Cleveland Furls to the Dexter Lawrence to you know Christian Wilkins, Austin Bryant, they're all in the NFL now. So you've got a lot of young guys playing up front, and, and really the matchup that you're going to be seeing, you know, you'll see uh, Xavier Thomas, you'll see uh, Tyler Davis, uh, Niles Pinckney, uh, Justin Foster, uh, you know. Not really household names at this point, but guys who just play uh, smart football. You have uh, James Skalski and Chad Smith or the other linebackers. And so they'll be going up against an offensive line. You know, Thayer Munford um, has been exposed at times to, uh, with, with speed rushers. Brandon Bowen is more of your, your physical right tackle. But really what, what is going to happen is it's that interior of the line. The interior of the line is, is really, an, and it's the, the guard positions. I think Jonah Jackson, people haven't been talking about him. He transferred in, and, and he's a senior, and a guy who I think has a chance to be a day-two pick because of his ability to drive guys off the football, uh, but he's also very technically sound in, in the passing game. And then Wyatt Davis is a special player there at uh, at the at, uh He's a sophomore right guard, and uh, you keep an eye on those guys. They're they're pretty agile as well. They can get out in space, climb to the second level, and make some blocks. And uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins, you know, the the first Ohio State Buckeye to rush for over a thousand yards in each of his three seasons uh, since Archie Griffin, and uh, he can run with power. He has deceptive speed. I think he he shows off a lot more speed than people were really giving him credit for. And then he's a tremendous receiver. You know, another guy, you know, coming out of the backfield. When you talk about the top receivers in this year's draft, I think obviously uh, you've got DeAndre Swift coming out of Georgia. You know, not a lot of miles on the legs. Excellent receiver, you know, and has some speed and some power to his game. Travis Etienne, another guy who has really improved as a as a receiver out of the backfield, um, but not known as a receiver as much. Um, you've got Jonathan Taylor, who's improving as a receiver. He's such a dynamic running back, has more rushing yards in his first three seasons than anybody. Um, only he and Herschel Walker have done you know what he's been able to to accomplish there at Wisconsin. Um, you know, and I think he's explosive, can run with power, run with speed. To me, I still have him possibly as as my number one guy but man jk dobbins is making a, a big argument if he ends up coming out and entering the draft uh, after his junior year this season um he 
has a chance to end up being the number one pick um, in terms of the running backs, you know, which would probably probably put him as a as a mid to late first rounder. Um, he has a chance. You know, I really want to be see what he runs in the forty, um, but his his ability, you know, the the lateral quickness, um, his ability to set up his blocks, you know, and also really um, set up the defenders in space and make them miss. Um, you know, he, he's another guy, all he, all he needs is a crease, but I think the vision, his ability to see the cutback lanes, um, you know, and really find daylight is what makes him special. Um, so Ohio State and, and Clemson, who's going to end up winning that matchup? You know, I, I think it's one of those things to where, you know, you can never count Clemson out. But I think some of the youth um, on defense, Brent Venables, you know, I think is going to have his work cut out for him having to deal with both Fields and Dobbins. Um, you know, and we've seen what happens. They, they get down uh, by two touchdowns to Wisconsin. They're able to come back and win. There's a lot of talent on that Ohio State defense. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, you're going to end up seeing Ohio State punch their ticket to the, the national championship to take on LSU. So I mentioned that those are just two of the four games on uh, on Saturday, December 28th. Uh, another game is really going to be interesting. You've got the Memphis Tigers. Uh, it's a Lions and Tiger matchup. Uh, the Memphis Tigers, number 17 in the country in the Cotton Bowl against uh, the number 10 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. Mike Norvell's taken the job, uh, moved on to Florida State. Um, but Memphis, they're, they're led by their quarterback, uh, Brady White. He's a junior, um, has a decent arm, you know, pretty mobile guy. Um, he's got kind of a weird delivery that that makes him susceptible to uh, some passes getting batted down. And you, when you've got Penn State, you've got Yitro Gross Matos, who is playing in the bowl game, by the way. And I love the fact that we have these first-round picks um, that are wanting to play in the bowl game and really show out well. You know, I remember Solomon Thomas a couple of years ago playing in the bowl game against, I think it was a Sun Bowl, against uh, North Carolina, and he was unblockable. I think that really solidified him as uh, a, a top three pick in the draft. And and so you know when I look at, at Yitro Gross Matos, he has a chance to have a big day against Memphis, um, really coming off the edge. And I think down the stretch, he's been really wreaking some havoc against the quarterback, not just in the in the running game, but also getting after the quarterback as well. Uh, you know, I think Robert Windsor, um, he'll be going up against Drew, um, Drew is it Drew? I, I think, no, uh, Dustin Woodard there at the center position. And I think that's going to be a matchup to watch along the interior. Um Penn State, though, their their inside linebacker, only a sophomore, but Micah Parsons, he was a Buckus Award finalist, a guy uh, just to do everything, a tremendous athlete. He'll be talked about as a potential top 10 pick in next year's draft. Uh, But those are some of the guys that Memphis really has to watch out for. Um, You know, the secondary is is experienced, but, uh, you know, that's really where Memphis is going to probably want to attack. You know, they have Kenneth Gamewell, who basically picked up where Daryl Henderson left off. A fabulous freshman season, uh, really a, a, an explosive back, one cut and go type of a runner, um, runs with a little bit of power as well. And, uh, you know, but the receivers, DeMonte Coxey, only a junior, big uh, receiver, physical receiver, can get down the field, um, really adept at, at the back shoulder throw, using his uh, body to his advantage to really put that defender on his back hip. And then Antonio Gibson, special, special receiver, uh, 6'2", 223 pounds, a second-year uh, player. He's a Juco guy, and people aren't really talking about him. And I really wonder why, uh, because he 
had a game where he had a a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a return for a touchdown. And really, he has a running back's mentality when carrying the football. And when I look at him, I liken him to LaVisca Chenault. About the same type of body type. And, you know, with LaVisca Chenault, he runs a lot of underneath routes and ends up making a lot of plays after the catch, you know, runs really, you know, physically running guys over. And that's something that you'll see from Antonio Gibson. But, you know, Antonio also, you know, I think in terms of the route tree actually runs a little, you know, some more routes than, than LaVisca does. And uh, he'll be somebody to, to really keep an eye on in this, in this game. Um, I, I think for Penn state offensively, you know, uh, offensively, um, you know, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end has uh, decided he is going to come back for his junior season. He's, just an awesome athlete there at the tight end position. He's a guy who can get vertically up the seam and really presents a lot of mismatches, both for the secondary and the linebackers with the size and the speed. But KJ Hamler, the receiver, I think he and Sean Clifford have really developed some chemistry there on the outside. And you want to see, you know, see what they can do against Memphis's defense. I think that's where Memphis may be overmatched. Um, You know, KJ Hamler, is is going to be a slot receiver at the next level and a guy who is is very sudden in and out of his breaks. He's not only a, a guy who's going to get vertical on you, but you know you're going to see him run a lot of out routes, corner routes, posts. Um, you know, really does a good job selling those routes. And uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a double move or two thrown in there as well. I think Penn State ends up with the victory in the Cotton Bowl, and then uh, Notre Dame, uh, the fifteenth rank. Fighting Irish taking on Iowa State, the Cyclones in the Camping World Bowl, and uh, you know when Iowa State has the football, you're going to have Brock Purdy, the sophomore quarterback, uh, you know a, a guy who has been pretty efficient for Matt Campbell's program. No David David Montgomery um, at the running back position, but you have a guy um, by the name of Kenny Nguangwu, um, a guy that you know a lot of people don't really know about, but he's he's a, a pretty pretty darn good athlete. They're at the at the running back position. Um, they've got a, a load of, of tight ends, including uh, Charlie Kolar, a six seven uh, sophomore tight end, and um, you know he's one of those guys I think we'll be talking about in next year's draft as well. You've got some really good uh, linemen as well. Um, you know Julian uh, Good Jones um, and. Uh, Bryce Meeker at the tackle position. I think Meeker's probably going to end up being a guard at the next level. And then you have Josh Kniffel as well um, at the left guard position. Those are going to be uh, the, the three guys that you want to watch along the interior of the line. And uh, they'll be going up against a guy uh, by the name of Khalid Kareem, uh, number 53, uh, 265 pounds, I want to say. And he's one of those guys who, um, you know, he, he uses power. I mean, he has some quickness. I think the speed to power is really what you see. You see a lot of bull rushes out of him um, using more power than anything else. But he does have a little bit of speed, especially if he's able to shoot the gaps inside, get to the quarterback in a hurry. Um, you know, it, when you look at Notre Dame defensively, um, obviously you've got um, Aloe Gilman, the safety um, on the back end, Troy Pride Jr. is one of those corners that nobody's really talking about, but he's a top 10 corner in my book. Um, he, he's tremendous speed and, and a guy who just, you know, that, that closing speed, you, you can't you can't teach it. You know, he's got pretty good ball skills as well when he arrives at the ball. Um, Jalen Elliott is another safety to, to keep an eye on. Kyle Hamilton is only a freshman, but man, this guy, and he's going to be a special player. He and uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Karoma, uh, 
um, the linebacker. Um, he's another guy to really keep an eye out for. We won't get to see Julian Aquara. Um, he broke his, I want to say it's his fibula and is out for the year, but he was a, you know, their top pass rusher, uh, Notre Dame defensively, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting, um, you know, against Iowa state. I think a lot of people are kind of writing Iowa state off, you know, when you, when you look at that matchup, just because, um, you know, is Iowa State going to be able to move the football against against the Irish defense? But what I will say is, is when you look at the Irish offensively, you've got you know Tony Jones running the football for them. Uh, Ian Book, kind of an up and down season, not always the the most efficient, uh, but he gets the job done. Um, you know, Chase Claypool is really going to be the, the the biggest target to keep an eye on. Um, you know, he's six six four, six five, two hundred twenty pounds. Excellent hands. Um, you know, not the fastest guy, but somebody who understands uh, you know how to high point the football. Uses his body to his advantage. Can be a red zone option, but you know, he's he's a, a downfield threat, and they use him as such. You know, for for Notre Dame. Um, you know, not as explosive as Miles Boykin. Uh, and he's one of those guys, he has that body type to where he can put on another 20 pounds and be a Darren Waller uh, type tight end. That's really what I would love to see him do at the next level. Because of the the, the the depth of the draft class, he'll probably be a fourth, fifth round pick. I think that's probably what makes sense. Cole Komet, the tight end, a dynamic playmaker on the um, up the seam, um, also a decent inline blocker. He's coming back to Notre Dame, as is the left tackle, Liam Eichenberg. And Eichenberg is the guy I think he's going to benefit from having one more year. Um, you know, he can get stronger, especially in the lower body. I think he moves pretty well, takes really good angles, with, especially with his kick slide, mirrors a little bit. You know, I, I'd really like to see him, you know, put some power to his game. Um, I think that would really kind of take things to the next level for him. Iowa State, you know, they've got a linebacker by the name of Marcel Spears, who is is an athletic linebacker with with absolutely you know exceptional range. He's six foot two sixteen, so he's kind of undersized. Um, could be potentially be a day three pick, especially as a, a special teams ace. Um, Greg Eisworth, the the safety. Um, He's an underclassman, but he could potentially declare. He's battled some injuries, but uh, just a, an instinctive safety. You know, can make plays all over the field. I think he'll. He's he's probably not going to be a day two pick if he were to come out this year. So um, I think it would behoove him to come back for one more season. Uh, you've got Ray Lima, the big big uh, nose tackle, uh, takes up a lot of space. You're not. You know, if you look at the the stats, you know, you're gonna not be very underwhelmed, but. Um, you, you've got to really watch the big guy in the middle because he he does a really good job uh, opening holes for uh, Spears, Mike Rose, and uh, Orion Vance. Orion Vance was uh, you know leading the team in sacks and a guy that can really get after the quarterback. One of the guys that I wish I would have gotten to watch play against Liam Eikenberg was uh, Jaquan Bailey, uh, their their top pass rusher he's injured and not going to be be playing in the game but um jaquan bailey 6'2 250 pounds um you know long arms for for a guy who's only 6'2 and uh, does a really good job coming off the edge that would have been a fun matchup to watch now obviously no games on sunday but you've got monday december 30th first bowl game is western kentucky tyson helton and the hilltoppers uh taking on western michigan uh, Tim Lester and company in the first responder bowl. Now, Wake uh, Western Michigan 
is really going to be led by, uh, you know, they have their quarterback, John Wasink, but I think they're going to go as their bell cow, Levante Bellamy goes. You know, this is a, a thousand yard rusher, a guy who who runs with some speed, um, you know, has a little bit of power to him as well, good balance, um, low, runs with a low pad level. Um, and then for Western Kentucky, uh, Tyson Helton really doing a great job in his first year, taking him to a bowl game. And, uh, you know, the, the Hilltoppers, you know, struggled a season ago. They ended up eight and four, second in the Conference USA East. And uh, for the Hilltoppers, you know, the, the guy to really watch is number 10, D'Angelo Malone. Uh, he's 6'4", 230 pounds, the junior, led the team in tackles with 90, but also, uh, you know, 20 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, you know, flies around to the football. I think he's probably your top uh, pro prospect right now on on defense, and then Juwan Jones, the 6'3", 270 pound sophomore defensive end. Um, this is a guy who has 17 and a half tackles for loss and 11 sacks in his career, uh, in, in just two seasons there uh, with the Hilltoppers. Um, those are going to be the guys defensively to really keep an eye on. Um, I, I I like Western Kentucky in this in this game. I think Tyson Helton really has something going there um, with the Hilltoppers. Uh, Mississippi State. SEC, Joe Moorhead and company taking on uh, Louisville, uh, Scott Satterfield, his first year there um, in the Music City Bowl. And uh, for Mississippi State, you know, you've got Kylan Hill. Uh, you know, now, now Kylan Hill, over 1,300 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns. And he's a guy, he's a big physical back, and he's working his way into my top 10 of, of the running backs. And I'll tell you why. You know, it, it's because you know, he can run with some power, has some speed. He's not going to be that a game breaker guy, but a guy who I think can definitely, um, you, he, he's, he's somebody who, when you need to, to really sustain some drives or to run out the clock, uh, this is a guy that you can get the ball to. He also shows pretty good hands in, in in the passing game, but I think really what what sets him apart is the ability to to pass block. You know, his ability to really see the the defense, understand where the blitz is coming from. You know, especially if you've got multiple blitzers coming from both sides. You know, which blitzer are you going to take? Are you going to take the guy on the outside? You're going to take the guy on the inside. More often than not. Take the guy on the outside. You know, one of the guards should be able to take the guy there on the inside. But you know, understanding when that needs to take place, and you know, usually he ends up getting home and uh, making that block to free up the quarterback, whoever it's going to be, whether it's Tommy Stevens um, or or, or uh, Schrader. Um, you know, that's really going to be the big question mark there for for the Bulldogs. Um, you know, now defensively. I'm sorry, if we stay offensively for them, you know, you've got Daryl Williams, the center, uh, but he's questionable with a left leg injury. Um, Williams is probably going to be a, a fifth-round pick. Um, you've got Jaquarius Landrews, um, the, the strong safety, six foot, 200 pounds, um, you know, has 72 tackles, second-leading tackler on the team, uh, six pass breakups. Um, you know, Errol Thompson, you know, not sure if he's going to enter the draft or not. He's only a junior, 6'4". Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, 84 tackles. Uh, reading my notes wrong here. Uh, 84 tackles there defensively for for the Bulldogs. Those are going to be some of the guys to keep an eye out for. For Louisville, you know Scott Satterfield, seven and five in their first year there with the with the cart. Excuse me, with the Cardinals and uh, you know Mackay Becton. Uh, the left tackle, 6'7", 369. I think he's going to kick inside to guard. I don't think he has a foot speed at the next, you know, to really handle things at the next level. But uh, you know, you look at Mackay Becton. He's not going to play in the draft. He's already declared um, and he's coming out, so he's not going to play in the bowl game. Um, you know, 
guy to watch out for. Only a sophomore, 5'9", 153-pound, 2'2", Atwell. Over 1,000 yards, um, you know, let's see, 1,125 to be exact on 60 receptions with 11 touchdowns. He, he's one of those guys, um, you know, undersized, but a, a guy who is a savvy route runner, uh, explosive speed. He's going to be a fun one to watch. And then on the interior of the defensive line, Gigi Robinson, 6'4", 295, six tackles for loss, four, uh, four sacks on the year. Um, he's one of those guys who can collapse the pocket from within. I think in this game, uh, Mississippi State's going to end up winning it. But you know the way Satterfield's team's been playing, I, I think it, it might be a little, little bit closer than everyone expects. Now, Cal. If you remember last year, Cal against TCU, not the most stellar bowl game. It was uh, a bit of a, a, a snore fest. So uh, he, they're, they're taking on Illinois in the Red Box Bowl. Um, really the big thing here for, for Cal uh is is evan weaver the uh really and really for both teams um for for cal it is evan weaver 172 tackles uh a, a guy who is just so instinctive you know 11 and a half tackles for loss uh, a couple of sacks to his credit as well could drop into coverage um i think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for i don't think he's going to test all that well but it's the instincts you know he puts himself in a position to make plays uh flies around to the football um knows where the quarterback's going to go with the football and, and the same thing he, he's able to diagnose the run plays and he's usually beating the running back to uh to the spot you know, uh, he's not running to the hole itself. He's running to where that you know where the the receiver, the running back's going to be, and uh, does a good job wrapping up in space. But uh, the other linebacker, if you like linebacker play, this is the game for you because you've got Delay uh, Harding uh, for Illinois, six one, two hundred thirty pounds, one hundred forty three tackles, and twelve tackles for loss. Also, uh, three interceptions, two of which were returned for touchdowns. He's one of those linebackers. He'll be a late day three guy, but I think he'll be someone who will end up uh, not only getting drafted, but making an NFL roster. Um, Cal also with, with Ashton Davis on defense. Uh, he's a safety. Uh, you look at the numbers, just 55 tackles, two interceptions, four pass breakups, but he, he's a, a sprinter on the track team, a guy who has exceptional range over the top. You'll keep an eye out for him. And then when Illinois has the football, you've got Reggie Corbin in the backfield, uh, over 600 yards on the ground. But, you know, this is a guy who's a, a slasher, a guy who's going to make cuts, um, you know, down the football field and, and really without losing any speed. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day on this one, Cal's defense um, I think it'll be just too, just a little too much for Illinois. I know Illinois um, has really been turning some heads, um, but I, I think at the end of the day, Cal's going to end up getting the win. Which takes us to the Orange Bowl, Capital One Orange Bowl, uh, number nine Florida Gators taking on number twenty-four ranked Virginia Cavaliers. So, let's see. We look at this game and the Virginia Cavaliers uh, really led by their quarterback, Bryce Perkins. And, and I look at Bryce Perkins and, and he's not a guy who's going to end up playing quarterback in, in the league, but I, I could see him potentially having a, a Taysom Hill type role uh, because of his, his ability to make plays uh, with his legs. And, and that's really what uh, you see is, is that, that, you know, just get the ball in his hands. And, and he's going to make some plays. So he's one of those guys, I, I don't know that he'll get drafted, but he's somebody, just find ways to get get the ball in his hands and allow him to to do what he does. 
Um, at the receiver position, you know, you have Assis Dubois and Joe, uh, Joe Reed. Assis Dubois is a 6'3", 210-pound receiver. And what he did against Clemson really, you know, opened my eyes and really wanted me to go back and watch some more of the game film for him. You know, he's a big receiver, uh, really a good route runner, and, and a guy who can make plays down the field, uh, you know, catches the football away from his body as well. So, you know, corners, um, you know, won't be able to necessarily make a play on the football. And here's the thing. Florida is going to be without C.J. Henderson, who's declared for the draft and will be playing in the bowl game. C.J. Henderson going to be a top 15 pick. Um, so you've got Marco Wilson, who's going to be the number one corner there for Florida. And I think these receivers can take advantage of um, you know some of these uh, these corners, especially guys that uh, want to be aggressive. He, uh, you know, Hasis Dubois, Joe Reed, the the route running ability. You can see some double double moves in their future. Um, and when Florida is on defense, you've got Jonathan Greenard. Um, I think Jabari Zuniga is going to be healthy. So you put the two of them coming off the edge and Bryce Perkins ultimately using his legs to, to beat you. Uh, Florida, offensively, you're going to have Kyle Trask throwing the football. He's got one of the better receivers. In the, and I, I really would have loved to have seen Van Jefferson take on Bryce Hall. Van Jefferson is a sneaky good receiver. Uh, the, the route running ability, he just knows what – you know, how to, uh, how to get open, you know, so quick in and out of his breaks. He sets his man up really well, you know, at the top of the, uh, top of the route, you know, the stem, you know, he'll, he'll fake inside, go outside and, uh, really create some separation late. Um, no Bryce, Bryce Hall, uh, because of the, the, the leg injury. So I, I think he could potentially having, have a big game. You know, and I think, um, Kyle Pitts, the, the tight end. That's another guy that you're really going to have to keep an eye on if you're Virginia. Um, you know, Charles Snowden, I, I think it's kind of been underwhelming this year, the six, six seven linebacker. Um, really want to see him step up and make some plays. And Jordan Mack, the um, inside backer, you know, a guy who, you know, has been racking up sacks this year, but, you know, he, he was quiet. You know, at the last couple of games, you really want to see him step up and make some plays. Um, you know, Eli Hambeck, is a name to to watch out for. You know, uh, he plays along the the line, and I could see him potentially being a a five technique in a, a thirty four defense at the next level. I think he'll be one of those guys who you know could potentially get drafted. Um, you know, because of his ability to you know he he, he takes up space and, and can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage when uh, when called upon to do so. Um, at the end of the day, though, I think Florida just a little bit too much. Um, you know, Michael P. Ryan is the running back there. Um, you know, he's a savvy back. You know, really good in pass protection. Um, decent hands out of the backfield as well. He's running behind an offensive line that's really young, and he just hasn't really had a chance to really get going. Um, you know, and I said Florida was going to win this one. I'm kind of back and forth with it. Uh, you know, I think Utah, or I'm sorry, uh, Virginia may have a chance to win this one. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on whether or not uh, Bryce Perkins can really you know, make some plays um, in space with his legs. Um, I, I just think, you know, Florida, you know, that defense there for Dan Mullen, I think they end up getting it done. I'll, I'll, I'll stay with the Gators with my, my initial pick here, uh, which takes us to Tuesday, December 31st, Virginia Tech and Kentucky. Uh, interesting matchup here in the Belk Bowl. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, I think when we're talking about the, uh, you know, what is it, uh, 27 straight bowl games, I believe, for Virginia Tech. Um you know, when you look at them, I, I think 
the top pro prospect right now is is probably Reggie Floyd, the safety. Six foot, 222 pounds, very physical in the box safety. You know, a guy who I think, you know, has pretty good range, um, you know, playing playing the football over the top in the passing game, but he's going to be a physical guy. He's not going to be afraid to come up and hit you. Um, Dax Holyfield, only a sophomore, but he's a dynamic linebacker as well. A lot of fun to watch. And then for, for Kentucky, um, you know, they have a guard by the name of Logan Stenberg, who I think, you know, is a big physical guy, a little bit of a mean streak. Um, you know, he'll be one of those guys to watch on the, on the line blocking for Lynn Bowden. Um, Lynn Bowden is declared for the draft and, you know, he, he's, he's a receiver, uh, converted to quarterback, um, this year, uh, due to injuries. And, uh, he, he said, you know what, you know, the, the last impression, you know, he wants it to be a good one. Um, and when you look at Bowden, you know, not much of a passer, just 46% completion percentage, but over 1400 yards, uh, on the ground. And, uh, before he, he converted to the quarterback position, he had 30 receptions for 348 yards and a score. He's one of those interesting athletes and, you know, in this receiving, you know, receiving class, you're looking for guys who, can do things a little bit differently, you know, things that other guys can't. And I think, you know, in the last bowl that we were breaking down a little bit, uh, you know, Van Jefferson with his route running ability, you know, he's so difficult to to cover because of his his, his savviness out there. And then Lim Bowden, um, you know, with his, you know, he's just a tremendous athlete. You know, he'll, he'll return kicks and, and punts if you ask him to. He, he can be a quarterback, can run the football. He's a receiver. Uh, that do-everything mentality, I think could end up getting him drafted higher than some of these other receivers. So I, I think when it's all said and done, I, I'm expecting Virginia Tech to end up winning that game. Um, if you go to the Florida State-Arizona State game in the Sun Bowl, uh, Florida State going to be without their their star running back, Cam, uh, Cam Akers, um, who's decided that he's going to skip the bowl and just get ready for the draft. And, uh, you know, Cam... Cam Akers, you know, I thought last year he he uh, you know his vision you know was was questionable at times. You know, always looking to bounce it outside when he had the hole back to the inside. Um, this year, I thought that he looked much more um, decisive with his with his running. Um, you know, obviously he's always had the speed, he's always had the power. Uh, he's one of those guys who I think you know can get into an NFL camp and could could really surprise people and and uh, you know have a have a, a bigger impact than I think some people are really expecting. Uh, Marvin Wilson, potential first rounder, um, but probably going to end up being a, a second round pick. He's a first round athlete for sure, uh, but I think he's going to be a second rounder just based on the production. A lot of his stats, if you look at the stats, they look uh, impressive, but a lot of the stats were you know came in just a couple of games. Um, you know, he's out with uh, with a hand injury, and so he's he's done for the year. So he won't be out there either. Um, so the next guy on the list would be uh, Hamza Nazaruddin, uh, the safety, uh, over 100 tackles. He's 6'4", 215 pounds. He's kind of that hybrid, uh, new age linebacker safety, you know, type. Um, but he has pretty good range for a guy his size. Uh, over 100 tackles, 
Um, he's battling a leg injury though, so he's he's going to be questionable for the game. And uh, you know, I mentioned that Cam Akers is going to be out. Well, Arizona State's going to be without their uh, top running back, Eno Benjamin. He's declared for the draft. He's one of those guys, you know, who makes things difficult because he's he's one of those. It's hard to tackle a, a spinning target, and he spins in and out of tackles all the time. Uh, the problem is is ball security, and that's really the biggest thing that's going to he's going to have to show teams that he can hold on to the football. I think he falls into the mid to late uh, third day um, because of that. And then Brandon Ayuk, the the receiver. A dynamic playmaker, both uh, as a receiver and in the return game. Um, a guy who can take the top off of a defense. I've been saying that a lot, but when you look at some of these speedsters, you'll understand why. Um, Ayuk has decided that he's also not going to play in the bowl game. Um, so that's going to allow Arizona State, you know, they'll have uh, Jaden Daniels, their freshman quarterback. Uh, Cole Cabral, the, uh, the center, is going to be a guy to watch for, for Arizona State on, on offense. Defensively, Chase Lucas, he's... Uh, what is he, 5'11", 175 pounds, um, aggressive corner, a guy who likes to gamble and take chances. Um, you know, he, he needs to put on some weight, you know, and, and hopefully he comes back for one more year. He gets pushed around a little bit. Uh, Merlin Robertson is a is a, a playmaker there at the linebacker position. I think at the end of the day with this, you know, um, I'm going to go out on, li- on a limb and say that Florida State is going to find a way to end up winning this football game. So let's see, after the Florida State game, we've got Navy and Kansas State. Interesting matchup in the Liberty Bowl. The 23rd-ranked midshipmen really led by their quarterback, Malcolm Perry. And when you're putting up 1,800 yards, I understand you have the triple option, but still 1,800 yards and 21 touchdowns on the year. He's a guy that you know you would love to have seen get some Heisman talk with it. Um, you know Ken Niumatalolo's uh, crew there running that triple option. Um, I, I think Malcolm Perry. Uh, you know the question is 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 he going to be a, a a draftable player? He does a lot of a lot of things right with the ball in his hands. He, you know he's an explosive playmaker, so that's one of those things. Keep an eye on him. I think Kansas State, when you watch them play, James Gilbert, the running back, um, a smallish kind of a a change of pace type back, um, transferred in from Ball State. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys with that low center of gravity, a guy who, um, you know, can be that, that potential scat back, if you will. I think defensively, you know, you've got Reggie Walker, who's been on that defense for a while, Denzel Goolsby at safety. But uh, the guy to watch is a sophomore, Wyatt Hubert. Uh, 6'3", 258 pounds, uh, 12 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks. I think he's got a pretty good burst coming off the ball. He'll be coming back to uh, Manhattan for one more year, but he's one of those guys, if I were to say, you know, defensively, who will be the guy to watch uh, for the draft? It would be him. Um, I think at the end of the day here, Navy ends up coming away with the win, and I, I think they'll probably win going away, although Kansas State, they're, they're a tough, tough team. I just think Navy... Um, you know, I, I think Kansas Kansas State's going to struggle to to stop Malcolm Perry. Wyoming and Georgia State in the Arizona Bowl. Now, Wyoming, the guy that we're going to see a here's the matchup. You know, we talk about matchups, and the matchup is going to be Trey Barnett of of Georgia State, 5'10", 185 pounds, senior running back, over thirteen hundred yards on the ground, six yards per carry, twelve touchdowns, 
has 37 receptions in his career. He'll be matched up against Logan Wilson, linebacker, 6'2", 230 pounds. And Logan Wilson does a little bit of everything. I think this is the thing that's, that is pretty impressive about him is uh, he, he just makes plays all over the field. I mean, it's, it's incredible. 98 tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, 4 interceptions, 7 pass breakups, over 400 tackles in his career, 33.5 going for loss, 7 sacks, uh, 10 interceptions, 14 pass breakups, 5 forced fumbles. He's a guy who's going to get drafted. You know, probably won't be until day 3, may not time all that well, but just uh, he's a football player, man. He knows knows uh, what's, you know, where to... You know, he, he's reliable in the open field, knows where to go to make plays on the football, and... Uh, you know the ball skills are, are definitely evident there. I think uh, when it's all said and done with this, you know Dan Ellington is is a nice little quarterback there for Georgia State, but I think Wyoming, uh, Craig Bowl and company Cowboys get it done. Utah taking on Texas, number eleventh ranked Utes taking on Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Um, Jalen Johnson, the the cornerback, um, you know I think has good length, but you know is a little bit handsy. Uh, he's declared for the draft, and I don't believe he's going to be playing in the bowl game, but that's okay because Utah has a lot of guys on the defensive side of the football uh, that are fun to watch. You've got Leckie Fotu, uh, the big defensive tackle on the interior, a guy who can collapse the pocket, you know, a space eater type of guy, can get some quick penetration with a good burst off the football. He'll chase quarterbacks down and, and running backs down from behind as well. Uh, Bradley and I, um, you know, over, you know, I think just under 30 sacks in his in his career coming off the edge. Big number six, uh, 265 pounds, um, decent burst, excellent hand usage, tremendous motor. He's going to be somebody who's uh, going to be working uh, against Samuel Cosme, the, the, the left tackle there for Texas, who I think could potentially be a draft prospect in next, next year's draft, only a sophomore, um, and really going to be wreaking havoc there against Sam Ellinger. Um, you know, I, I think that that line, you know, Parker Braun is a draft uh, draftable guard, uh, probably a day three prospect. But, you know, coming from Georgia Tech, um, really um, fundamentally sound in the running game. And, you know, you think about some of the blockers there coming from Georgia Tech. Shaq Mason is one um, and he's been a starter there at the at the NFL level. So keep an eye on Parker Braun. Um, and then the center, Zach Shackelford, kind of an up and down career. He's gotten beat quite often. Uh, frankly, in, in a lot of games, he's going to be drawing uh, Lecky Fotu and then John Penasini, another quick defensive tackle, has some power as well, bench presses his guy and then uses some quickness to get off the off, off blocks. Um, I, I think Francis Bernard, the linebacker for, for Utah, plays well, especially coming downhill into the backfield, uh, but he can drop into coverage a little bit. Um, he's going to be somebody that Sam Ellinger is going to have to know where he is on the football or around the football at all times. And then uh, Julian Blackman, uh, converted converted corner, playing safety. Um, he and, and Terrell Burgess have tremendous range on the back end of defenses. Uh, you know, Blackman is going to he shows off some of those cover skills uh, and and really understands some routes. So if he's back playing the safety and not actually lined up over somebody, you're going to see him off you know more often than not try to undercut routes uh, coming over the top and uh, make plays on the football. I think Terrell Burgess um, really kind of played himself into a potential day three pick as well. Um, they're going to really you know make things difficult for Sam Ellinger, um, you know and. The matchup I would have loved to have seen was was Colin Johnson taking on uh, you know Jalen Johnson, but uh, Devin Duvernay 
is a, another guy who you know runs a ton of of underneath routes you know plays in the slot a guy who can get vertical as well you know he was one of those guys who was among the league or I'm sorry among the FBS leaders in uh, receptions per game and you know he was really kind of the security blanket for Sam Ellinger throughout the season um, when Utah has the football you've got Tyler Huntley uh, the quarterback Zach Moss uh, the running back you know Huntley is 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 dynamic as a quarterback but really it's Zach Moss you know Zach Moss is is the bell cow he's the guy that's you know if Utah's going to win the game it's going to be because of Zach Moss um, he's, he's a, a guy who runs with power, runs with a, a low pad level, runs over, uh, runs through contact, runs over defenders, uh, has a mean stiff arm. And then he has a good burst in, in space and he doesn't look like he's moving all that fast at times. Um, but you know, he, he starts pulling away from, from defenders and the, the jump cuts, the lateral cuts, making guys miss in the hole. That's really what makes him special. And I, I think Utah at the end of the day ends up winning this game against Texas, you know, Texas, You've got Brandon Jones, um, the safety, you know, in number 19. He's going to be, you know, a, a guy that's going to get drafted. Um, but I, I think uh, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, Utah's ground game is what's going to get it done. So we're through the rest of the 2019 uh, bowl games. We're into 2020. Uh, Wednesday, January 1st, Minnesota taking on Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Number 18th ranked Gophers. Uh, Tanner Morgan there at the quarterback position. He'll be having to watch out for number five for, for Auburn, number number 12 ranked Tigers. Uh, number five is, is Derek Brown. To me, another top 10 pick. Uh, just so powerful with his hands at the point of attack. Um, you know, you see him bench pressing offensive linemen and, and getting into the backfield in a hurry. He shows a, a tremendous burst as well. Um, he's a guy who, again, you have to know where he is on the field at all times. You're going to see him double teamed quite often. I want to see this matchup, though, because Marlon Davidson, the edge rusher, shows off some pretty decent speed. Match these guys up. You know, put them, you know, and, and really Marlon Davidson did a, a tremendous job um, beating Alex Leatherwood, kind of exposing some of that lack of quickness. But I really want to see, you know, you, you've got all this size um, on this line, especially at, at the tackle position. You've got Sam Schluter, who I think could potentially be a sneaky um, draft prospect in next year's draft. And then Daniel Fa'alele, the sophomore, 6'9", 400 pounds. Um, you know, you want to talk about a, a big dude. Um, you know, that's it right there. You know, you've got Rodney Smith, who's a powerful back, um, a, a senior. Um, he could potentially get drafted late um, on, on day three. Uh, Tyler Johnson, a guy who's not very explosive, um, but I think he's just a savvy, savvy route runner, knows how to get open, um, catches the ball with his hands. You know, he had a little bit of trouble with drops at the beginning of the season, but a guy who just, you know, he runs the good routes, knows how to separate late. Um, I, I question whether or not he's going to be able to separate at the next level, but he's still worthy of a, of a, a, a second day pick. In my opinion, Rashad Bateman, only a sophomore, um, he'll be back next year, but he was one of the best, um, Actually, I think he was the best in terms of stat, uh, statistics in uh, in the Big Ten. And uh, he'll be Tanner Morgan's go-to guy because Tanner Morgan's only a sophomore. Um, Tanner Morgan, a quarterback, very efficient, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Not going to wow you physically, but a guy who's not going to make a ton of mistakes. Um, I, I think Auburn, when you look at them and, and you're talking about them offensively, you've got Prince Tega Winogo, um, still raw, you know, 
doesn't, you know, technique is really what his issue is. He's a tremendous athlete there at the left tackle position. He's going to get matched up against Carter Coughlin, a guy who, uh, you know, is is a sack artist. You know, he's somebody who, who plays with, with some, some speed coming off the edge. But I do worry about Coughlin, um, you know, at the next level. Um, you know, I, I don't know that he has the size necessary to play a uh, 43 defensive end. And I don't know if he has the twitchiness and uh, the flexibility to play in space as a 34 defense, uh, 34 outside linebacker. Um, Jack Driscoll on the right side. He's another, um, you know, tremendous blocker, somebody who I think is going to get drafted higher than people expect. Um, you know, because everyone talks about Winogo as an athlete, but I think Driscoll is more fundamentally sound, uh, probably has the, the lower ceiling of the two, but it has the higher floor. Um, Kamal Martin, the linebacker for, uh, Minnesota has pretty good range. Uh, a guy who can play both against the pass and the run. And then Antoine Winfield, uh, junior, um, he's going to be the guy that Bo, uh, Nick's the quarterback for Auburn has to know where he is on the field at all times. He's the guy who is going to play in the box. He can play over the top. He can play in coverage. He can do a little bit of everything. I'd argue that he could potentially be a first round pick if he decides to come out and enter the draft. Um, you know, he's, he's battled some injuries. So those injury concerns could potentially drive him down in the draft, but definitely the, the guy to watch um, for Minnesota. Uh, Auburn, when Bo Nix is throwing the football. He's going to find the bigger receiver, Seth Williams, uh, whenever possible. I think Auburn ends up winning this game, but it's going to be a lot closer than people people really think. Uh, Michigan taking on Alabama. Bama not in the CFP. Uh, taking on uh, the Wolverines. Number 14th ranked Michigan. Uh, number 13th ranked Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. Um, let's see. Se- uh, Shea Patterson. Final year there at, at Minnesota. I'm sorry, at Michigan, and uh, he's going to go up against the vaunted Alabama defense. Going to be without uh, Terrell Lewis and uh, Trevin Diggs, who I think are getting ready for the draft. Um, John Runyon and Ben Bredesen. I, I think what they did against Ohio State and Chase Young, you know, I, I thought was really impressive. You saw the the athleticism there. Um, really, I was impressed. You know, I, I thought the technique. Um, you know, I think that's what's going to make this interesting. I would have loved to have seen them, uh, seen John Runyon go up against uh, Terrell Lewis, but we are going to see him go up against Raekwon Davis, who I think has the potential to be a first rounder. Um, you know, six seven, three hundred sixteen pounds. I thought he's really, you know, after a down year last year, really put things together and uh, has been kind of the uh, the leader of that defense up front. In the secondary, they've got Xavier McKinney, and that's the guy that. Um, Patterson is going to have to keep an eye out for, but Alabama has shown that they are susceptible to, um, you know, getting beat over the top and you have Donovan Peoples Jones, you have Ronnie Bell in the slot, you have, uh, um, Nico Collins, the big, big receiver. And those are going to be guys I would have loved to have seen Collins and Peoples Jones go against, uh, Trevin Diggs, who's, you know, has a chance to be a first round cornerback. Um, but we're not going to see that happen. Um, you know, I, I think Michigan has a chance to put up some points against Bama's defense and then Bama offensively, obviously you have that big line. You've got Alex Leatherwood, um, and, and Jedrick Wills at, uh, at the tackle positions. They'll be going up against, you know, I think one of the 
more underrated sophomore defensive ends and Aiden Hutchinson, big 97, you know, does a good job getting off blocks, bench pressing his man, um, pretty good athleticism, bends well for a guy his size. Um, and then Quiddy Pay, uh, 270 pound junior, he could potentially enter the draft. And he's one of those guys who I think you know, make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, when I look at them, in the linebacker position, Josh Uche is probably their best pass rusher. He's declared for the draft. Um, you know, Cameron McGrone, he's he's a, an underclassman, a guy who makes plays at the inside linebacker position, um, taking over for uh, Devin Bush. Um, Don Brown, I really want to see what they what he's going to come up with, how he's going to potentially stop. Um, all four of those receivers there at Bama. I mean, you've got Jerry Judy who does everything, you know, both the route running ability and uh, the speed uh, vertically. You know, Henry Ruggs is going to be the the speed demon in, in this year's draft. Probably be one of the fastest receivers, if not the fastest receiver. And then you've got uh, Devonte Smith, who's a savvy route runner, um, not the fastest guy in the bunch, but a guy who just knows how to make plays. And then, you know, the scary proposition is, is Jalen Waddell could potentially be the first receiver taken in next year's draft. Uh, Jerry Judy going to be a, a top top five pick more than likely, possibly um, may fall out of the top 10, depending or top five, uh, depending on who ultimately ends up getting those selections. But uh, there's just too much firepower there, I think, for, for Michigan to really have to deal with. Um, I've got a lot of young guys in the secondary. You know, Lavert Hill is really going to be asked to uh, to have a big game, number twenty four. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, Bama, you know, with that that passing attack, and then you ask Najee Harris to run the football. I think Najee Harris is probably going to have a rough go of it, though. Um, you've got Kalik Hudson and and uh, Jordan Glasgow um, at the inside backer positions, and then uh, Carlo Kemp at nose tackle, along with those defensive ends. Um, you know, Josh Metellus coming up as a safety. Um, I, I think it, you know, he'll, he won't rush for a hundred yards. I don't think, uh, against Don Brown's defense, but I still think Alabama ends up winning that game. Oregon taking on Wisconsin in, uh, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose bowl, um, you know, number six ducks taking on the number eighth ranked, uh, Wisconsin Badgers, Justin Herbert versus Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that's really what you're dealing with here. Justin Herbert, um, you know, I think he's a better athlete than, than Josh Allen. Um, you know, has a tremendous, tremendous arm, tremendous arm strength. Um, they've got that, the, the line, Panay Sewell, who I think will be in the running for the top overall pick in, in next year's draft. So fluid as an athlete. Um, it's amazing how, how well he moves for a guy his size, 6'5", 322 pounds. And, uh, you know, if you were to watch him play out there at left tackle number 58, uh, man, um, you know, tremendous handwork. You know, he's so agile, so light on his feet, moves like a tight end, um, but he also plays with power. You know, you've got Shane Lemieux at left guard, who I swear, you know, he's played sixty, played in sixty games, just about. Um, you know, but he's a, a savvy, uh, savvy guard. You've got you know Jake Hansen, um, who is an underrated center, a guy who can play with both power and also has the ability to to get out to the second level. And I think you know Calvin Throckmorton is your technician at the right tackle. He's going to be a right tackle in the league, but I think he'll be a day two pick and a guy who's going to start early. Um, let's see. Wisconsin defensively, they're going to go up against uh, Zach Bond, who I think is is their their top 
um, draft prospect there at the linebacker position. Number 56, a guy who has, you know, he's, he's a twitchy player, a guy who can bend coming off the edge, gets to the quarterback, you know, can drop a little bit. But I think his, what they're going to really ask him to do is, is put pressure on, on Justin Herbert and get him off his mark. And then Wisconsin, you know, they've got Quintez Cephas, the receiver. He's really the the big threat down the field for Jack Cohn. Um, running the football, you have Jonathan Taylor, back-to-back Doak Walker Award uh, winner, and uh, was number five, uh, the fifth in the in the Heisman voting. And, uh, you know, he runs with power. You know, you absolutely see that. You know, runs with, you know, uh, low pad level, runs through contact, uh, runs over guys, Tremendous stiff arm, but he also has 10, 400 meter speed. Um, a guy who, when he gets into the open field, he's going to run by you. Um, decent lateral lateral agility as well, and he's showed improved hands. Um, you put him in there against Oregon's defense. They have a lot of athletes. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a guy to keep an eye out for. Um, I think Oregon ends up winning this game, but... You know, Wisconsin, if they can, if they can sustain, if they get out to a lead. Like they did against Oregon's uh, against Ohio State. Here's the thing with Oregon is you know they almost came back and beat Arizona State after getting down as well. So um, I, I think Oregon, even if they get down by by a couple of scores early on, I think they have the firepower to come back and win. Sugar Bowl, Georgia Baylor, number five ranked Georgia Bulldogs, number seven ranked Baylor Bears. Here's the thing. With this one, Jake Fromm, you know, you, you see both of his tackles have entered the draft and aren't going to be playing in the bowl game. And if I'm, well, a- Andrew Thomas is not playing in the bowl game. I don't know if Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle, is declared or not, or has decided whether or not he's going to play in the bowl game or not. But, uh, you know, you've got DeAndre Swift at the running back position. Um, but Jake Fromm, He's going to be seeing a lot of of James Lynch, in my opinion. And I think if James Lynch has a big, big game, he could potentially end up coming out and entering the draft, especially if he can potentially get a first round grade. Um, James Lynch is one of my favorite players to watch. He's he's got a tremendous motor, but uh, for a guy who is six four and two hundred ninety pounds, he bends very well coming off the edge. You know, I think he can play in a in a thirty four defense. He could potentially play in a four three. When I watch him play, it reminds me a little bit of uh, of JJ Watt. Um, because of the, the physicality with which he plays, but also the, the tremendous burst. Um, he's a guy who's just always in opposing backfields. And then you've got Bravion Roy, the, the nose tackle nobody's talking about. 6'1", 333 pounds. They have a package defensively where all the defensive linemen are, are stand up, um, are, are standing up and they rush the passer. And when he does that, um, he moves so well for a guy his size. He's shooting gaps. He's making plays behind the line of scrimmage. And at the point of attack, he can bench press his man and get off blocks. Um, I, I think Baylor ends up winning this game, you know, because of that. You know, Baylor offensively, you you know, is Charlie Brewer going to be the quarterback? If he is, then I think Baylor's going to be absolutely in this game from an offensive standpoint. You've got Denzel Mims, the uh, receiver on the outside, um, tremendous ball skills. Um, he'll end up being probably an early day uh, day three pick, probably fourth round range. Uh, Georgia has a lot of talent defensively, um, but I I you know I, I think Baylor ends up getting it done because of their defense. January second, BC taking on the number twenty one ranked Cincinnati Bearcats in the Birmingham Bowl. BC going to be without. Uh, AJ Dillon, their dynamic back, six foot, two hundred fifty pounds. He, he lacks a burst. 
um, which is going to limit his draft potential. But he's a guy who's going to run you over. Um, you know, David Bailey is a sophomore, uh, 240 pound back himself, over 800 yards on the ground. Um, but BC, I think, is going to get outmatched and outclassed by Cincinnati. Uh, Desmond Ritter is the quarterback. He's a guy that to get to know for next year's draft. Um, you know, Michael Warren uh, could potentially come out after this year. He's he, he runs like a truck. I think that's what his nickname is, his truck. And and he, he's a guy who's going to hit you between the tackles, has a decent burst, tremendous hands. Defensively, they've got Brian White. Uh, I'm sorry, Brian Wright, a guy who can make some plays in space. And uh, Kobe Bryant, um, you know, it's spelled C-O-B-Y, but he was named after the basketball player. Um, he's he's probably their best corner man. Um, and then Derek Forrest, the safety, another guy to keep an eye out for. I think Cincinnati wins that one going away for Luke Fickle. Um, Gator Bowl, you've got Tennessee taking on Indiana. Tennessee, Trey, Trey Smith is probably their best uh, draft prospect. Um, you know, a guy who battled blood clots and, and was a... a tackle but i thought he was playing out of position they moved him inside to guard and uh he's he's been dominant at the point of attack um very physical but you know you can see some of the tackle skills on the interior of the line because you know he is pretty light on his feet you know and i think that's really where um where he belongs is at guard um could potentially end up being uh one of the top two or three guards in this draft uh they have daryl taylor the, uh, the sack guard is coming off the edge. I think he'll end up being a 34 outside linebacker at the next level. Uh, Nigel Will, uh, Warrior, the safety, uh, shows some pretty good ball skills. So he's another guy to watch. For Illinois, or, I mean, for Indiana, they've got um, Stevie Scott. They're, they're running back, big physical runner, um, 230 pounds, and uh, a punishing running back. Uh, only a sophomore, so he'll be a guy to keep an eye out for for next year's draft potentially. But uh, the the senior wide receiver Nick Westbrook is a guy who I think um, you know they need to get him the football. You know, want to see what he can do out there on the edge. Um, but I think Tennessee's got the momentum. You know, I think you know Jeremy Pruitt has something going with this team. I think the Vols surprise people and end up winning that game. January third, you've got Ohio, you've got Nevada. In the Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, for Nevada, the best draft eligible prospect was uh, Daniel Brown, 5'11", 180 pounds, and uh, you know 16 pass breakups in his career, and uh, he's suspended following the the brawl that took place at the end of the UNLV Nevada game. So we won't get to see him play. Um, really wanted to see what he could have do against Nathan Rourke, the, the quarterback. He's a 62% passer. Um, but when you look at him, over 2,600 yards, uh, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. But you know, this is a guy. He ran for 780 yards and 12 touchdowns on the ground, uh, 2,600 yards in his career, and 48 touchdowns. Tremendous athlete. Um, not really going to be a pro prospect from a quarterback position. But when you look at some of these athletes, you talk about the guy, the Taysom Hills of. Uh, you know, and, and, and such. And Nathan Rourke is one of those athletes that, you know, a team could look at and potentially put a packet or, uh, you know, design a package around him or potentially if he wants to play, you know, one of those hybrid positions, you know, there may be a home for him at the next level. Uh, Javon Hagan is a safety. I think he's probably Ohio's best draft eligible prospect, six foot, 215 pounds, over 300 tackles in his career. Um, nine tackles for loss, has six interceptions, 18 pass breakups. So he has excellent range. He has good ball skills. Um, 
I think Ohio ends up winning. Jay Norvell has seven wins there for the Wolfpack, back-to-back bowl appearances, but I think Frank Solich's group ends up winning that game um, Saturday, January 4th. Uh, Southern Miss taking on Tulane. Um, I think for Southern, you know, this is the battle of a, of a couple of skill position players, in my opinion, in terms of the drafts. Um, Quez Watkins, 6'2", 190-pound receiver, another 1,000-yard year for him. Uh, following a season, um, I'm sorry, it's his first thousand yard season, but you know, a season ago, 72 receptions, 889 yards, nine touchdowns, um, over 18 yards per reception this year um, for Quez Watkins, and then uh, for Tulane, Darius Bradwell, the big physical bruising back, 6'1", 230 pounds, uh, only played in nine games this year battled some injuries just over just under 450 yards but last year uh, over 1100 yards and 11 touchdowns um i think this is going to be an interesting matchup you know and, and willie fritz i like what he's got going on there with the the green wave i think they beat southern miss there in the armed forces bowl and then finally monday january 6th uh, louisiana taking on miami of ohio in the lending tree bowl and um you know louisville i'm sorry louisiana when you look at them, you, you've got the three-headed monster running back. Um, Elijah Mitchell is the guy who I, I think um, can be a downhill runner. He can um, has some shiftiness to him as well. Um, he's their 1,000-yard rusher. Um, Raymond Calais is the only senior in the group. Um, he's the more of the scat back. He's 5'9". He's a little little guy, um, a guy who's going to be that shifty guy in space. And then Trey Regis is your, your downhill uh, one cut and go, um, a guy who's going to look to lower his pad level whenever possible. And uh, for Miami of Ohio, uh, my guy there in the middle, uh, number 58, is you know Doug Costin, 6'2", 295 pounds, uh, 12 tackles for loss, four sacks, a guy who just does a really good job bench-pressing guys, uh, throwing guys around on the interior of the line, knows how to stack and shed, and uh, you know has a relentless motor. Um, and then you know, I, I t- I've talked about him a couple of times in, in uh, podcasts, but uh, one guy I haven't talked about at all is Sterling Weatherford. Um, 6'4", 218 pounds, uh, the safety, 93 uh, tackles this year, 10 pass breakups. He's only a sophomore, so he'll be back. But, uh, you know, in terms of the safety position, that's really, you know, Miami of Ohio's best weapon there. Um, I, I think at the end, end of the day, Doug Costin, I think, will make some plays against that running that trio of running backs. But I think the Raging Cajuns end up getting the job done. Now, finally, the college football national championship game on Monday, January 13th. I said it was going to be LSU against Ohio State. Um, I, I think this is going to be the, the matchup everybody wants to see. Um, you know, Chase Young and company, can they put pressure on Joe Burrow and really get him off, off the mark? Um, I, I just don't see Joe Burrow. You know, I haven't seen him flustered. I haven't seen him really under duress. You know, because of his his pocket presence, his ability to you know escape pressure, keep his eyes down the field, and still find the open receiver. You know, there was a a, a play in the SEC championship. He went through his reads, um, looked left, looked back to the right, and then picked up uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming across the middle of the field, able to get the ball to him and allow him to go down the field and make make a play after the catch. Um, I think LSU with all of their um, their playmakers there on the back end of the defense. You know, I, I think that's something that you're going to see. Um, you know, it's going to make things difficult for Justin Fields to, to complete the football down the football field. 
Um, and Joe Burrow, you know, well, Justin Fields, you know, going up against Derek Stingley, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit, you know, that's going to make things difficult. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be asked to do a lot more with that running game. And I think, you know, LSU ends up loading the box and really forcing Justin Fields to beat them with his arm and uh, relying on some of those uh, talented uh, defensive backs on the back end to really um, do the job against Olave and Hill and, and, and company. Um, and then when LSU has the football, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be the difference. You know, I, I think that's really going to be the, the, the key because you know, you'll have Jeffrey Okuda and, and Damon Arnett and uh, Sean Wade matching up against Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall. And I think you know that's probably the best matchup um, that we're going to see against LSU's um, wide receiver trio, but I think at the end of the day, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's going to he's going to rush for you know close to 100 yards. He'll probably end up with six, seven, eight receptions and go for close to 100 yards. I think LSU at the end of the day is going to be your national champion. So we'll we'll see how things go after all the bowl season is over. Um, we'll talk about the bowls. We'll talk about what we saw and really how that impacts the draft. And we'll also be talking about all of the underclassmen who have declared. We'll have a podcast dedicated to going through every single po- uh, every single underclassman who declared and uh, really break down what that means heading into the pre-draft process. So that's it. We uh, have made it through the entire bowl season. Uh, took two, two episodes, but we made it through. Uh, I hope everyone enjoys the bowl season. Happy holidays, everyone. Um, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, we will talk again after the new year once uh, bowl season is over. Again, talk bowls. We'll talk underclassmen. And we'll get right into the pre-draft process. So again, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the holiday season. And uh, we'll do this again in 2020. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast postseason bowl edition. I'm Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.